All right. Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. Book of Genesis chapter 3. As you're turning there, little Betty was crying bitterly. Her mother asked her what, what the problem was. She says, Mom, my new shoes hurt me. Well, let me see. Mom took a look. She goes, no wonder. They're on the wrong feet. That made little Betty cry even worse. She goes, Mom, that's the only feet I have. Amen. Book of Genesis. Now, the book of Genesis literally means origins or beginnings. So when we look at this first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, it is literally the book of origins or the book of beginnings. And in this first book, God outlines the origins of of many, many things. First and foremost, he outlines the origins of our world and the universe. He outlines the origins of man, civilization, and government. In the book of Genesis, we also see the origins of the nations, and specifically the nation of Israel. We see the origins of literature and language, and we also see the origins of sin and sinful man. Now, I want to highlight that because this is vitally important. Since most people today, they falsely believe that mankind is good for the most part. Amen? The problem with that is that we're just comparing one sinner to another sinner. We might be a better sinner than the next person, but when we truly compare ourselves to a holy and righteous God, we are not good. Amen? And it's important for us to see that. They don't want to believe that mankind is inherently sinful by nature. Why is that? Well, that's because it convicts ourselves as well, doesn't it? You know, they choose to falsely believe that, that when we sin, it's the result of our environment or, or some other external factors and forces. But the Bible clearly outlines our true human nature as sinners. We are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're what? Because we're sinners. Amen. We need to understand that. We sin because we are sinners. In the book of Jeremiah 17.9, God puts it very clearly. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That sums up our human nature. So the question is, where did this evil come from? Where did it come from? And that's where we're going to pick up in Genesis chapter 3 this morning. We're going to start right at verse 1. Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And the serpent said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, pay attention to this part, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, 
and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate. She also gave her husband, uh, gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden of the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. This morning I want to talk about God's warning signs. And as a society... You know, we love to rate things, don't we? We, we like to see like the, the top 10 states to live in, the, the, the top 10 appliances, and the, you know, the top 10 best jobs ever. Well, I want to tell you something. Adam had the best job ever. Amen? God placed Adam in the paradise of the Garden of Eden, and God told Adam, your job is to tend this paradise. Now, we need to understand that tend in the Garden of Eden is far more work, or or, or it's far less work from the work it takes for us to tend our garden today. You see, for Adam, tend meant that he was to discover and enjoy all the good and beautiful things that God had created for him and his wife Eve. Tough job, wasn't it? Amen. But that was Adam's job. And we also read that in the cool of, the, of, of each day that God would come and he would walk and he would talk with them. God would literally come down, visit with them, and spend time with them. And in all of this, God put one simple restriction upon Adam and Eve in this paradise. One restriction. They were not to eat of the one tree, just one tree they couldn't eat of, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They could enjoy every other tree in the garden. And you think of the many thousands of beautiful and flowering fruit trees that God ever created. They can enjoy every single one of them. But as we read, Of all the beautiful trees in the Garden of Eden, where do we see Adam and Eve hanging out? The one tree that God said not to. Amen? We see them hanging out at this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Isn't that just typical for us? You know, we we like to point a finger and say, Adam and Eve, how could you do that? You know, but that's our human nature too, isn't it? It's so typical of us. We seem to be drawn to those things that we shouldn't be. We seem to be drawn to those forbidden things. All I have to say is, hey, don't look over here. Where's everybody look? Over here. Amen? That's our human nature. 
And it's already in us. It's not something that we grow into. It's not, it's not something that happens as we get older. It's our human nature as a small child. As parents, we know this all too well. And as, I'll tell you, as a new grandparent, rediscovering it, <laughs> let me tell you. You know, as parents and grandparents, we, try, we childproof our homes to the best of our ability, don't we? But it never fails. Our children will always find those things that they shouldn't. Amen? We just had our grandson over uh, yesterday, and, you know, we think we had our house childproof, and he happens to find a lamp, and he shakes it, and what happens? It goes back and forth, and he shatters one of the lamps. You think you're childproof. What, does they do? what do they do? They go right to the one thing they're not supposed to, the one thing that's going to hurt them. And those little hands and those little feet are drawn to those things that they shouldn't get into. Much of this is to test their boundaries, right? To see how far they can go. And also to test our patience as parents and grandparents, right? But that's just how it is. And in the end, it's our human nature. Our sinful human nature. Plain and simple. Now, First thing I want us to see this morning, I want us to see God's truth. God's telling us, don't get hurt. Amen? Understand that. God is telling us, don't get hurt. Too often, our sinful minds, when God says don't, we conclude that, you know, when God says no, he's trying to keep us from, you know, something enjoyable. He's trying to keep us from having fun. You know, we start to analyze God's motives, you know, just like we did when we were a little child. Well, why won't God let me do that? Or why won't God let me have that? If he loved me, he'd let me do whatever I wanted. Right? Or he just, he's just mean and doesn't want me to have fun. That's the type of mentality we start to, we start to slip into. And Eve did the same exact thing. Eve thought in her mind, and, and she hypothesized in her mind the same exact thing. Go to Genesis chapter 2. Just go back one chapter real quick. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, I want us to read what God's actual command was to Adam and Eve. Listen to what God actually commanded them. And the Lord God commanded the man, he said this to Adam, he said, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, take note, that's what God told Adam. Now, skip ahead to verse 3. Listen to what Eve said, God said. Eve told the serpent in verse 2, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, listen to what she says. She says, God said, you shall not eat it. Now, this is the part I want you to pay attention to. Nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Is that what God said? God didn't say that at all. He just said, don't eat it. He never said anything about touching it, but she added that to God's restrictions. Right? She, she felt some kind of way. God was keeping her from something good, she felt. 
Now, this mentality is just completely opposite from the truth. It's because of God's great love. It's because of his incredible compassion for us that he puts up these safety barriers. He puts up these warning signs all around us to keep us from getting hurt. Amen? That's his purpose. In fact, listen to his promises. Psalm 8411. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. You hear that promise? James chapter 1 verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from where? From above and comes down from the Father of lights. John 10.10, Jesus said the thief, Satan does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. He said, but I have come that they may have life, not just life, but what kind of life? Life more abundantly. Jesus came to give us abundant life, not just in eternity, but when? Here and now. These are the promises of a loving God. These are the things that he wants to give to us. So we have to understand when God says don't, he's telling us don't get hurt. When God says don't, he's saying, listen, this will hurt you. Don't do it. And that's because of his love that he has for us. And that was the warning sign that God hung on that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, don't, don't get hurt. Amen? We have to understand that. Now, speaking of warning labels, have you ever read the warning labels on some of the common products that we use? I want you to stop and do that. Here's a couple uh, uh, examples. On a baby stroller. Listen to what the warning says. It says, warning, remove child before folding. On a fishing lure, now I'm talking about a big fishing lure with three huge hooks on it. The warning label on that fishing lure says, harmful if swallowed. A toilet bowl brush says, warning, not for personal hygiene. (laughs) On an ink toner cartridge, it says, warning, do not drink toner. On a fireplace log starter, it says, warning, caution, risk of fire. (laughs) Anybody ever use a heat gun paint remover? Now, a heat gun paint remover, this thing gets well over 1,000 degrees. And on it, it says, warning, do not use as a hair dryer. Brother Ken, I guess you didn't read that label, did you? And on a kitchen knife, it says, warning, never try to catch a falling knife. So we, you know, we laugh and we joke at these warnings. Why? Because they're obvious, right? They're so obvious of the pending danger. We need to understand that needs to be true with the warnings that God gives us 
in his word. Amen. They need to be so obvious to us that we can laugh when we read it. We have to understand that there is an obvious danger attached to each warning when God says don't. And for every ignored warning, there are very harmful consequences that we will suffer. Amen? So that's the first thing I want us to see, that God's truth, he says, don't get hurt. Second thing I want us to see this morning is Satan's lie. When God says, don't get hurt, Satan's going to tell you, ah, you won't get hurt. You won't get hurt. That's because old Satan is very clever. He's very cunning. When he tempts us, he does three things. First thing he does is that he questions God's word. I want you to notice something. Satan will not deny God's existence. He will not deny God's word. But what he does is he questions it. He simply twists it. He changes it to to confuse us and try to make us believe a lie. Amen? Look at verse 4. That's what he did with Eve. Then the serpent said to Eve, to the woman, you will not surely die. You notice how simple that was? He added one small three-letter word. What word did he add? Not. God said, you will surely die. Satan says, You won't die. You will not surely die. And what did it do? It completely changed God's commandment, didn't it? Satan will deny. He will question God's word. Second thing he does is he questions God's love. Not just his word, but also his love. Satan wants us to believe that God is always trying to, you know, hold back something good from us. Hold back something enjoyable, something fun from us. Look at verse 5. He continues with Eve. He says, For God knows that the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Satan was saying, Look, Eve, God's holding back from you. When you eat of that fruit, this is what's really going to happen. But God was saying, don't. Don't get hurt. Why? Because he loved them so much. Just as he does us. The third thing that Satan does, with those first two, he's going to offer a convenient lie. Amen? A convenient lie. Jesus warned us that Satan is what? A liar and the father of it. He told the first lie, and he tells lies every single day. Amen? We see that conversation between uh, between, uh, uh, Satan and Eve. You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes are going to be open. You're going to be enlightened. You're going to be like God. Satan was saying, Eve, look, the moment you eat it, you will be a goddess. You'll be enlightened like never before. Don't let God hold you back. Don't let God hold you down. Get to your full potential. That's the lie he sold Eve, and that's the lie he will whisper in our ears. We have to understand that Satan will always work from the outside 
to try to make his way inside to our heart. Amen? He works on the outside. He works on the weakness of our flesh. He will target the area in our flesh that we struggle with the most. And he will find that weak point and he will, he will go in head first. But God does the opposite. Amen? We have to understand that. God always works on the inside first. He changes the heart first. And when the heart changes, that flows where? To the outside. Amen? Once he changes our heart, then we start to lose those urges of the flesh. We start to lose the desires of the flesh. That is the way that God works. Amen? But for Satan, you know, he tempts those weaknesses of our flesh. And, and once we submit to that temptation, he goes right after our heart in order to corrupt it. Amen? Understand that Satan, he will always tempt us in the same progression. What is that progression? He starts with the lust of the flesh. Then he goes to the lust of the eyes and then the pride of life. God warns us of that in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. Listen to what he says. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, these things are not of the Father, but is of the world. Who is the prince of this world? Satan himself. Amen. God is warning us that these are the things of the flesh. These are the things of the world. These are the things that Satan uses against us. Remember that progression. Look at verse 6 in Genesis 3. So when the woman saw that the tree was what? Good for food. She did what? Lust of the flesh. Amen. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. Lust of the flesh, lust of the uh, eyes, and the pride of life. This was the same progression Satan used with Eve, and it's the same progression he uses with us. Amen? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now, we need to understand that Satan will not feed us all lies all the time. Amen? He knows that we're going to spot that a mile away. So what does he do? He starts with just enough truth. He starts with a hint of truth just to draw us in. And that's exactly what he did with Eve. He told her, if you eat... Your eyes will be opened. Right? That was exactly what God said. He said, you'll know truth. He gave just enough truth to, to lure her in. And they were opened. Look at verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together. And they made themselves coverings. You see, some things are better left unknown. Amen? Now they were fully aware of their sins. 
And for the first time ever, they felt shame. Shame. Why? Because they had lost their innocence. They sinned against God. They disobeyed God. And now they lost their innocence. The sad thing is, in today's world, we know more about wickedness and sinful things than we do about God, his word, and what's good. Amen? For Adam and Eve, their eyes were open for the world, but unfortunately, it was closed to heaven. Amen? That was the consequence for not following God's warning signs. Now let's look at verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Remember how I said at the end of each day God would come and he would visit with them and talk with them? How incredibly wonderful is that? Could you imagine God coming and visiting us every single day and just talking with us? Seeing how we're doing? having that sweet fellowship with their Lord and Creator every single day. But now look what happened. Look at the rest of verse 8. But Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Sin changed everything, didn't it? Their relationship with God was now severed. And this is true for all of us. It's sin that separates us from a holy and righteous God. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is what? Death. What did God tell Adam and Eve? The moment that you eat, you shall what? Surely die. They obviously didn't die right away physically, so what was he talking about? He was talking about spiritual death. The wages of sin is spiritual death. Our only hope is for a Savior to come and restore our righteousness and our lost fellowship. Skip down to verse 21. I want to show you something. In verse 21, the Bible tells us that also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and he clothed them. We need to understand that verse 21 is symbolic of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? This is symbolic of his sacrifice for us. Those tunics of skin, what were they? They were animal skins, right? What does that tell us? That means that an innocent animal had to die. An innocent animal had to be killed and sacrificed. For us, Jesus was that innocent lamb of God who gave his life as a sacrifice for us as well. And when we place our faith and trust in him, what do we do? We put on what? His righteousness. Amen? We put on his righteousness to cover our sins. And with our sins covered, we can now have that restored fellowship that was lost because of sin. Amen? You see that wonderful picture of Jesus Christ that God gives us here? But we need to understand that sin changes everything. And that is true even after we're saved. When we're walking after God's Holy Spirit, we can't wait to go to church on Sunday morning. We can't wait to have Bible study whenever possible. We can't wait to have fellowship with other believers. We can't wait to go and and spend time with our Lord in prayer. 
But when we sin and we don't confess it and we don't deal with it, the next thing we know, we just don't feel like going to church on Sunday, do we? You know, they, that, that pastor, he picks the worst songs ever. Then we don't feel like going to Bible study. Ah, we have too much to do. We, we just don't have time tonight. Then we don't feel like having fellowship with other believers. You know, you know so-and-so, they just, they just bug me. They, they strike me the wrong way. And then it bleeds into our prayer life. We just get too tired and exhausted and wore out to pray. We need to be mindful when we see these changes. We need to understand that it could mean that there's some sin in our life that has crept in between us and our relationship with our Lord. Amen? Understand, when we feel ourselves apart from God, God hasn't moved. Amen? It's us. And we need to get back to his precious side as fast as possible. Deal with that sin. And too often, we like to pick and choose which of God's warnings that we're going to follow, amen? And which ones we're just going to ignore. The problem with that is that the ones we ignore, they will catch up to us. And we will get hurt, amen? We have to understand that Satan and sin will always take us further than we want to go. It will always keep us longer than we want to stay. And it will always make us pay way more than we could ever afford to pay. Plain and simple. We need to heed God's warnings. He has proved how much he loves us on Calvary's cross. He only wants the best for us. He wants to bless us each and every day. And when he says don't, we need to understand he's saying don't get hurt. I love you too much to see you hurt. Amen.